guest today is Dion Major, CEO and founder of Inside Sales by Design. Having played a role as individual contributor and certainly frontline manager and leader of managers, Dion has an approach that helps managers interact with their reps with a level of authenticity and dignity that enhances the relationship and ultimately results. And I'm Doug Johnson, Managing Director of Scale Up On Demand and your host of Copilot's Moneyball Manager Podcast. I'm certainly excited to learn some things from Dion today. Dion, welcome, welcome. How are you? How has your day been so far? You know, the day is amazing so far. So it's good and moving along. Yeah, how about you? Uh, pretty good. I, I tend to try to have these after right after working out during the lunch time. So I am, this is like the peak time for me right now in terms of energy. So I'm, nice. I'm good. <laughs> I love it. That's a great idea. Yeah. I found that if I tried working out after work, so like five thirty, six o'clock, something like that, it would encroach upon my time with my wife and or some of the time with my wife. And like, then it became uh, more burden on her in terms of like thinking about what we're doing for the evening, you know, in terms of dinner or I'm just like, well, I just order the Anyway. So it's much better all around uh, for a midday workout. Um, so I, the first thing that I typically ask, I, cause I know a little bit about this, about you, but not probably not more than what you're going to explain. What, tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to inside sales by design. Thank you. Um, So my background, what I always share with folks is I've been in sales and tech for 20 some odd years and worked in a variety of industries, everything from not-for-profit to uh, uh, consulting services, uh, to a VAR, to a Microsoft partner, all that good stuff and everything in between. And found my way to inside sales when I moved to Southern California from Seattle. I'm originally from the Midwest, so I'm a Chicagoan. I grew up outside of the city of Chicago. Um, Living in Southern California was my first experience at this point. Holy bananas. What is it now? 15 years ago with Inside Sales. And I love the concept. And that's what led me to form Inside Sales by design. Because I think sales is helping and educating and forming a relationship, right? And so, and Inside Sales... um, you know, 15 years ago, it's, it's almost this 30 year overnight sensation in the making at this point, but that's the inside sales to me allows us to have the form and functionality. If I had to use it that way, meaning I can reach more people. I can, um, have great communication in order to build relationships and all that good stuff while still being able to interact with folks, right. And the good and the bad of, of the pandemic and stuff has kind of forced the muscle of, virtual discussion, right? And, and hopefully being pretty good at that and finding new ways to engage with folks. So uh, it's kind of a long, long story, but it's, I, I love everything about interacting with people. So whether it's adults or kids or whatever, so it's fun. That one of the things that I was very curious to dig into, and you, you, um, you explain it just now in terms of the, the different types of environments or selling what you're selling. Yeah. It's, it's quite a broad thing, but you, you touched on the, the importance in developing relationships as a way to step into what might be an eventual sale. And then a, you know, a, a deep relationship perhaps. Have you uh, a perspective that it, that what 
reps need to do to form relationships differs at all or how it varies across those different types of you know i would say back in the day probably back in the day meaning three years ago um and so i think now it's all about authenticity and persistence i think it's always been about persistence and and in my lens my perspective is um business development right so account management, ongoing stuff like that. It's not in my area of expertise really. And so thinking about it from a perspective of meeting and networking and things of that nature, right? I think there's a level of persistence and being able to take what we learn um, from our own organizations, kind of our quote unquote product training. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever call it sales training. Right. And so, because a lot of times our organizations will give us the speeds and feeds and just tell everybody what it does. And they're, you know, if we build it, they will come. And I think so many times the really good salespeople were able to, I call ourselves the great translators, right? We have to translate what it is our product and service does to what value people are going to get out of it. And I think the more we're able to do that, whether we're an SDR, BDR, AE, customer service, customer success, the better off we're going to be. So I think what's different now is, is that, right? Cutting through the noise, asking questions, being curious, solving business problems, right? This isn't the drive-through at McDonald's nine times out of 10. Do you want a number one or a number five? That's not the world we live in if we are in professional B2B sales or even professional B2C sales, right? So I think being able to come at it and be a little bit more polished and professional is going to serve everybody well. Have you, um, in knowing that there are a lot of people wanting to get into software sales, and so now you've got a, lot, a lot of people early in their career, you know, in terms of software sales career, and they've got a manager that is trying to help them do what you just mentioned. Yeah. That manager is also early in their career. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I hope, I don't think it's the same as it was 10 or 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, but I, you know, I wasn't doing it 20 years ago. Uh, yeah. But do, could you give us your perspective on the state today in terms of that interaction that, that a manager needs to be really mindful of in order to instill this level of perspective? persistence because it's just, it's going to be a new muscle that they haven't learned. Yeah. Yeah. Doug, and that's, it's super important. I think what too, what I'm, I'm hearing you talk about too, is the level of awareness, right? And if we're a new manager going in somewhere, one of the things we should ask for is who's my coach. And because I, I accidentally had one who happened to me be my boss, my first role as being a, a manager and um, just unknowingly, right? And so for me, I mean, I kind of default to being formalized and all that good stuff. It doesn't have to be. Um, and so we don't actually have to maybe ask the question of who's my coach or whatever the case may be, but we need to, we need to be able to ask the question of, okay, who can I go to for help? Who can I bounce ideas off of? If I'm a first time manager, I need to make sure that I have my tribe of supporters. Number one, number two is as a first time manager, we need to ask ourselves, what am I doing to get better? 
right? What type of leader do I want to be? Because there's a difference between managing and leading, right? I manage my budget, but I lead my team. And that's very different. Being a leader is very different and then, than managing. And so as moving into a leadership role, what is it? We need to kind of get a little introspective. What does it mean to be a leader? What do I want to be known for? What is my reputation going to look like? Knowing we're not going to get along with everyone. I get it. Right. But what is our, you know, what is our, what do we want to be known for? What does that look like? So I think going into some of this as a first time leader, those are some of the things that we definitely need to think about. But we also need to think about what is my way of coaching? What is my style? And then how does that resonate with other people? Right? So we're not always responsible for, you know, people's feelings and all that good stuff. We are responsible for impact. So if I'm responsible for training my team, educating my team, letting them know that sometimes sales is win, lose, draw, you're shouting into the wind one day, the next day you got the bluebird of happiness coming in, right? So how are we conveying and kind of telling the story as a leader to our team and equipping them and coping them, getting their mind in the right spot and then getting their skills in the right spot? It's it, no one's uh, that I've talked to yet has brought up the level of support that the manager needs. And you're sort of bringing it up because you're saying a, ma- a manager needs to be thinking about these questions. Like they need to be thinking about this. I've never heard that really talked about at the above <laughs> level. You know, like I, you know, yeah. I know this, it's not really talked about. Am I off in that? No, I, I agree. I think it's one of those things like, hey, congratulations, you're now in charge. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What what do I do? You know what I mean? And so I, I agree with you. I, I And I think, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about peer groups and our team and make calls together and stand up meetings or, you know, listen to calls together or whatever the case may be. But it's like, you know, gosh, do we have, you know, a leadership group in our own company or can I, you know, loosely get together with some of my peers and talk about things, right? Um, it's it's really, really important to have a group, a coach, a support system, whatever, because it's not easy. What, what do you do the first time you have to go and put somebody on a PIP or fire somebody or hire somebody? Well, HR is going to tell you the legal side of things, but it's not necessarily they may not be equipped to help you through the mental and emotional side of that, right? Because no matter if the person deserves whatever, right, it's still hard and it should be hard to look at somebody and go, hey, I'm sorry, this isn't working out, right? And so how do we support one another in that and make the experience suck less and still retain relationships, right? So that's in my own humble opinion, kind of important. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it doesn't matter how many, well, for me, it doesn't matter how many times I've had that conversation with someone. It's not, you know, and I even, it's a, I don't know what it was. It wasn't too long ago. I was walking into the weekend and thinking, okay, this is, or whatever. I was going into the week thinking, all right, this is probably going to happen. Right? We're trying to figure out ways to not make it happen. And then I'm thinking for the morning of, okay, I know the deal. It's not good, but I know, I know the deal. And then moments leading up to it, like, oh, just the like, hands are sweating. Yeah. You know, like my, I was like, oh man, yeah. 
they're not like this, you know, <laughs> but, but at least like, I, I know, I know how it, I know how we're going to feel after that. I know, yes. um, I know in the moment how best to try to reconnect with that person in that thing. I don't know if I ever was taught coached or anything that yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. And most of us aren't, you know what I mean? And I think that's a thing is how do we train our leaders right? How do we equip them to treat people with dignity? Because sales is sometimes not very dignified. Make your number or else, right? There's really not a lot of dignity in that, right? And so there's a lot of competition and it's fierce. And, you know, those are all different emotions than gentleness and grace, right? And so we have to think about, you know, there are people good or bad, you know, we have a good day. That person's going to go home to their family and it's going to be, everybody's in a good mood. Right. But then some days we have a bad day and that person is still going home to their family or, you know, leaving their home office or whatever. Right. And they're still going home to that family. So, you know, we need to be cognizant of those things. Right. So there is no, boundary anymore between home and work. And that's been diminishing for a very long time. Right. So, um, yeah, I was reading this book called the psychology of money and then, and then there's a chapter in there that's talking about that where, you know, back in the day, uh, Rockefeller was kind of an outlier because he spent a lot of time thinking where in that time period, we made money by producing goods. So you went to the factory, you took your place in the assembly line and you were good. You check in, you check out. Some people still have that mentality. Come sit at your desk and check in, make your phone calls, do your demos, and then you need to check out and go home. But that's not the world we live in, right? So nine times out of 10, the majority of our work is very cerebral and we're thinking about it. We're thinking about the sales calls that went well. We're thinking about the sales calls that didn't go well. We're thinking about the training I just had. I'm thinking about the one-on-one meeting I just had. I'm thinking about the meeting we just had executive leadership with the CEO and this is the new direction we're going in, right? So from a leadership perspective, we need to be aware that we do not live in a world anymore where we just get to check out of the factory and go home. Because in my house, like I don't have an office, right? So I, there's a, there's a, there's no formal barrier. Right. And so I think we need to be really mindful that the world we live in isn't manufacturing goods and services a lot of times anymore. Sometimes it is right. But if, if we're in that industry, good, but if we're not, and our work is very cerebral, we need to think, and we need to think about objection handling. And, you know, we, we're just talking about what is, what is good account planning look like? How many people do I need to know? Where are they at on the buyer journey? We have to be able to equip our teams with, okay, guys, here's how we gracefully transition in and out of our day now, because we've never had to do this before. When you think about that, when you think about the, the, I guess what I'm going to, attempt to do for the rest of the little time we have here is be, you know, pull out of you what would be the stand-in way that the support for the manager would guide them in their day, you know, in their day-to-day. So like they be the way how to introduce dignity into that relationship. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is a good question uh, or meaning like, it'll give you an opportunity to give a, a an answer um, that's insightful to people who are listening, but in 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 environments 
uh, or, or interactions like um, a one-on-one where it's not pipeline review, but it's, it's more of a, about the coaching one-on-one. Might you give an ex- like, what could you give as an example of ways to introduce dignity for example, in that type of situation. And if you say Doug, that's not like the easiest way, the like, situation for me to describe, we can pick another one, but I'm curious about what you might recommend to a frontline manager saying, here's a way in which you can introduce dignity into a type of conversation. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. No, and I think that's a really great question. Um, and so I think there's a couple of things. One is know yourself, right? So are you a manager or leader that is more business formal? Like what comes naturally to you? So is it business formal? Is it business informal? Can you convey um, what you need to convey in passing? Does it need to be a sit down, a stand up, right? Things of that nature. So really think about some of those things. For me, I'm business formal. I'm like, hey, let's let's be specific and call a meeting because everybody's headspace is in the right wrong in my mind on the same spot. I may be wrong, but so I think number one is as a leader, you know, what, what is your style? What does that look like? Where, where, um, can you be the most authentic? And then I think to your point is I'm a huge fan of annual planning. And so, um, one of the things that we do with our teams when we do coaching is we'll say, Hey, does your sales team have a team purpose statement? Nine times out of 10, they don't. And then we'll say, okay, so create a team purpose statement, then cascade that down to create a personal professional purpose statement for everybody on your team. And so this is some of the coaching we do with organizations, with sales leaders, and then the sales team, everybody loves this exercise because it gives them a voice and it gives them ownership and it empowers them. What do you want for your life, Doug? Vision board. Right. And so it's not a vision board because some people, you know, they, they think that's a little, little wonky, but anyway, so it's like, okay, what do you want? You know what I mean? What do you want by December 31st of 2022? You want a flying car and whatever, but being able to have people form their own vision. And then we have an an annual planning document and you can, you don't need our document. If you do, I'll, I'll send it to you. But then you say, okay, for this year, you want to accomplish these things quarter over quarter. What are the major milestones you want to hit? So we're kind of doing this. I always break it down into two things, the quantitative and the qualitative, right? We break it down into super concrete. What then The leader now is more in a position of coaching than telling. I tell our three kids what to do. Go clean your room. Make sure you brush your teeth. Okay. And I hope everybody's catching the correlation here. I'm not calling us children. But if I have to sit there and go and tell my team, go make your 500 phone calls, go send your email. Something's wrong because we're adults. So what we want to be able to do as leaders is really flip it and empower and educate our team and get them to think, oh, if I want X or I want to be a manager or I want to move into this role or I want to stay as a BDR because I like it, great. How do I become the best BDR on the planet? Whatever that person wants to do, we've now set the expectation, right? And so now you can either do one-on-one and go, hey, Doug, how's your plan coming? How's the plan we created together coming? What's working? What's not? What do we have to adjust? You want it to be the best BDR on the planet. Or you want to go here, whatever, right? Or you want it to be number one. You want to go to President's Club, right? You want it to whatever. 
So when we flip that around a little bit and bring our people into it, the whole thing changes. So that would say, that is my longer answer of how do we encourage our leaders to do some coaching? It's definitely, um, it sounds like it takes a long time, but it, it doesn't really, it's really more, you can do it in passing. Hey, what do you want to accomplish this year? Awesome. Let's write it down. Right. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be in passing, put whiteboards up, put poster size, post-it notes behind everybody, right? Take pictures of it, put it in your Slack channel, have everybody encourage each other. It doesn't have to be a super formal process, but it also makes your end of the year reviews go a lot more smoothly. So I'm just going to throw that out there too for everybody. So Doug, what do you, what do you think about all of that? I threw out quite a bit. Well, no, I mean, the, the, what I think about that is I, I realized that I, I, I had been missing an important thing early on in my career and I'll get to that. And then what was, was you touched on at the very beginning, which I don't think people would have grasped it. So I'll just restate it. So they understand the importance is knowing yourself and where you are most authentic in the delivery because what you're talking about after that is a process to go through, but the way in which they communicate, it has to be in that place where they feel like they, they come across as most authentic. I, I think that that's a very important thing. Um, I know it's a very important thing because if you, if someone is shoehorns themselves into another environment, they're just, it's going to feel not supportive of the individual. Mm -hmm. And then the other part was I had early on in my career constructed uh, these reverse engineering models to help a rep back calculate into what their goals would need to be. Right. Nice. So I'll, I'll call these different dimensions, but it failed to go one step below that, which is their personal professional. What are they getting out of it? Right. It, it got them to money, right. It got them the activity to money, but it didn't get to the reason why, you know, it didn't get to these other things that sit out around it. And, and I, I, um, that's what I took out of that is for those that perhaps were delivering it in a place that, that they weren't able to be authentic and weren't contemplating that the sort of root of what the individual person wants, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to get there. You know, <laughs> you know, you tend to and want to, yeah. not to get there. Yeah. It's a, it's a short lived sprint versus being able to run the marathon. Yeah. 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 You can only sprint so much. Most of us can't very long. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so some sustained growth, it takes, it takes that motivation, right? Like what is, what is somebody, what makes somebody's heart go pitter patter? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are there, is there, when, that seems like a very um, actionable thing for even a manager to do because they don't have, they I mean, they could construct this sort of mini team purpose. You know, they can go through that process. Absolutely. But, yeah. yeah. So it does it like some of the, some of the things that we, that are talked about on this podcast are a little hard, you know, like that, that is something that they could do next week, right? They could contemplate. It Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, so I had, I was speaking at an event and mentioned this and it was really cool because one of the people that attended came back and said, Dion, I went back to my team. We constructed our team purpose statement. And this was when everybody was in the same office, which I'm a firm believer in. And I know there's benefit too. Um, I, so I see value in both models, but everybody together is there's 
there's good things that can happen when the team is in close proximity. Um, he goes, yeah, we constructed it. We had a banner made. We hung it over our team cubicles, like on the wall. Everybody had it. It was amazing. Right. And so when you, we create a North star for our team, good things happen and it takes the questioning out of what we're doing. Right. We, our team exists too. Right. And we do this by, that's a good way to start. So yes, if you're a manager, whether first time or season, if your team doesn't have a purpose statement, I highly encourage you to do it. Right. And then, um, one of the ladies that I know too, and I had seen this article on LinkedIn where they said, you should write your own um, user guide. Like, hi, I'm Dion. I'm a D on the disc or I'm an ENTJ with Myers-Briggs. And here's how I like to communicate. So again, back in the day when everybody was in an office, they had these little like three by five cards on these cute little holders on their desk. And they were, I think they were a disc personality shop, right? And so everybody had their, their, their letter up, right? So you knew this is this person, right? Um, and this is how they like to communicate. Or if somebody wasn't prospecting, they had like the red side up. If they were okay to talk, they had the green side up. Like there's nothing wrong with over communicating and boundaries, right? So, and just, Hey, this is kind of how we roll, you know, this is, this is how we communicate. So I think all of that is good. I had this idea. Um, I don't know. It's probably eight years ago. It, it's not going to work. I mean, maybe it work in like 15 years ago, but I imagine <laughs> someone you, you could, you could be walking around an office, be it a physical office or a virtual office. And you could always check yeah. uh, a person's uh, readiness or willingness to have a conversation, like on some different characteristics or dimensions of like, will this person give you the time day? Cause you know what? Most of the time, someone can call me and I'll say, Hey, how are you doing? That's great. Yeah. You know, uh, and I'll be pleasant, but sometimes, you know, things are going on. I'm like, I don't have time for this right now, you know? And it's not because I don't care about them or love them. Right. or anything like that. It's just like now's that time. So the idea of having, I don't, I don't think other people would want it, but I would love to have a little color bulb atop my head. <laughs> they're looking at text. They're looking at the phone. I love it. Anyway, um, on the note of, uh, dignity, or at least the through line of that. Do you yeah. see versus me picking like coaching very specifically? Do you see other moments, like a very obvious one for you that that a manager can introduce dignity that can, that can uh, continue this this development of 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 truly uh, caring, demonstrating that they truly care about the individual. Mm. Man, you know, I think. It, this sounds a little, um, a little touchy feely and it's, it's very, well, maybe just to me, that's my perspective, right? I'm, I'm blue collar grip in Chicago military family. We don't do feelings very well. Right. However, we do encouragement. And so I was reading Brene Brown's book, dare to lead. And she was talking about how in every meeting they open up with words of encouragement. And I'm, um, and so I think there's an opportunity for us to start any interaction and set the expectation, right? So people know, because if we don't, it's weird. Um, and I'm a huge fan of setting expectations, right? And being able to say, hey, we're going to start every meeting with three things that have gone really well or three um, 
acknowledgements of somebody else. Right. And so that kind of leads us to set up, hey, go make calls together, listen to calls together, score calls together. Um, You know, if somebody was helping with onboarding, right, what went well? Because it's easy as humans. I mean, research shows, right, we immediately gravitate to the negative. Just look at the media and that's that's where that's coming from. Right. So we have to really train ourselves to your point. Like, how do we treat people with dignity? And I'm not saying there's not room for teasing and banter and all that good stuff. Right. But if we start and go, man, Doug, I have to tell you, we're starting our team meeting and he had a call and it was amazing. This client was this and, you know, he handled it really well. And here's why or here's how. Man, people stand 10 feet tall, right? When we speak positive, it's, it's life-changing. It's not to say that we don't say, hey, that call was really, really bad, so you should probably go home and get some sleep, right? We don't, it's not that we don't speak the truth, but we, we, we do it in such a way that we lead with positivity, and that's a way to inject dig- dignity into our, into our teams. I. I love that. That again, the the key thing here would be consistency. Hundred percent. You know, you do it one time, and even the first time you do it, it don't mean anything, right? Nope. Because they're just even though you tell them this is what's happening, you know, we're doing this, don't mean anything. You got to do it like five times. It's like in the one on ones, you have to really authentically ask, "What can I do better for you?" And you have to do it every single time, otherwise, it doesn't mean anything because they're only going to open up like the tenth time in. Yeah. Well, and I think to that point too, Doug, it's. Um, we sometimes with our teams that are newer, we have to go, huh? So it sounds like this worked well, but maybe this didn't. Would it be helpful if, right? Sometimes we have to give people the words, you know what I mean? If we have a team that isn't as experienced, right? So, and that's okay too. We have to kind of know when to press and when not to, So if we have a system that has onboarding and ongoing sales education, that's a little bit different than if we're kind of just moving quickly without a structure or a program in place. But if we're meeting and we're saying, okay, our one-on-ones, you know, pipeline review forecast, we're going to make calls or review calls together. Okay. Well, we as managers need to offer insight that's also how we show somebody we're listening, right? So sometimes we have to connect the dots for people, which, oh, by the way, is what we're supposed to be doing for our clients. So as a leader, I should emulate the behavior I want to see from my sales team on the phone with our clients and prospects. Simple and, 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 and not even relatively close, but like close analogy that they'll, you know, like everyone should get. I'll add, you know, like I'll add one thing to this three acknowledgements and then we might just sort of wrap up. The one thing that one of my CEOs uh, who I worked for introduced was checking in on a couple of different uh, levels of your person. So one was mental, one was emotional, relational, uh, physical, spiritual, and you couldn't get around with a non-answer word. You know, like a non, which didn't provide any clarity. So you can't say fine or good or okay. So there's a bunch of, and it took a while, right? For us as human beings, like we are all, you know, like relatively adept that we're in this room to like understand, okay, this is the framework. Yeah, we understand why. We get it. Yeah, we understand why. Okay, we're all together because we have the right relationships 
to, to try to, to level up, but it was, it was so hard for us to, to, you know, we'd have three minutes to write our own words down. Our one, we had to get one word that described mental, emotional, relational, physical, and set. You had to do one word. So like mentally right now I am, um, I am energized. Like that would be an authentic word. Like I'm energized physically. I feel, uh, you know, one massage away from being great, you know, like, you know, so some of them can be, but you get, you get a little bit more out of that than yeah. okay. And, uh, we ended up having to, because it was so long, it would take us so long to like check in with our own selves. We ended up picking like one letter a day. So like it might be Monday was an M and then it was E R P S. So then it became a lot easier and quicker. Um, but anyway, that's all I'll sort of weigh in. But I love that. It was fun. I liked it. Although it is fun. There was one person who they, they found they they found a way to get around it. Oh, by, by they would say blessed. They were just like I'm blessed for every single thing though. So it's like every every week blessed for everything. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, so there have been a couple of takeaways that I wrote down. Yeah, but is there any one particular one that you want? Uh, you know, a first time or, or sort of new manager to contemplate and be mindful. It could be the team purpose, professional, personal statement. It could be anything. It could be something new. Yeah. Um, I think knowing ourselves as leaders is, is just huge, right? What do we do that works? What do we don't, what do we do that doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Um, what do we want to be known for? I think that's huge because I think it's sometimes overlooked, right? We go through a lot of quote unquote leader training and it's always about how we can serve others, which is we should, but we can't serve others if our own oxygen mask isn't in place. Right. So I think that's really important. And I do, I think the, the, the team purpose statement, that's a winner every time. And I really like what you were saying too, Doug, because it gives us insight into our team, right? It helps us know where they're at. So the team purpose statement, the personal professional purpose statements just can resonate loudly. Yeah. Great. Great. Now, before we sign off, if someone wants to reach out and learn more about the frameworks that you have or, or, or more than that, how should they best get a hold of you? Absolutely. I would say go to my LinkedIn profile, Dion Major. My cell phone number is on there. A link to my calendar is on there. Happy to connect and talk and, and go from there for sure. Perfect. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Thank you.